name is Strider Stokes. I'm the student pastor here. And whether you're here physically with us in the auditorium or whether you're tuning, with, tuning in online and worshiping with us online, we are so excited that you are here for Palm Sunday. Uh, if you are new or visiting, a special welcome to you. There is a Connect card in the seat back in front of you. And if you're worshiping with us online, maybe this is the first time you've tuned into our stream, there's actually a digital Connect card as well. We found on goodnewsloves.com. We would love for you to fill that out. Give us as much contact information as you're comfortable with. We're just super excited that you're here and would love to welcome you. Hey, as always, our small group director, Tim Pollack, leads uh, something called Discover Good News on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. in the Connect Room. And uh, it's a chance if you've been coming to Good News for a while and you'd like to make this your church home or you'd like to find out more about who we are or our philosophy of ministry or if you'd like to get connected to a small group, that is a perfect time to show up and hang out with Tim and other folks. Nine o'clock, there's no need to register. You can just show up Sunday morning at 9 a.m. It happens every single week. Hey, I don't know if this is intentional or not, uh, but you picked a really, really, really good Sunday to show up to. Today is Palm Sunday. We are celebrating the one who sets us free, but also Carabas is catering a lunch right after the 1030 service in the gym. So I hope you're hungry. If you're tuning in online and you just heard that announcement and you'd like to get in your car, we will certainly have plenty of food for you. It'll be delicious. I can promise you that. Hey, wanted to draw your attention to an invitation that we have coming up leading up to Easter Sunday. Uh, we are having a Good Friday service here at the Wildwood campus. It's going to be uh, both campuses, both our Wolgoff Village campus and our Wildwood campus here together at 6.30 for about an hour. And at the end of that time, uh, begins something that we call our 36 hours of prayer leading up into Easter. And it is simply an invitation to do this. There are about 700 names that you have turned into us. Um, people in your life that you have a relationship with, whether they're family members or friends or coworkers or neighbors, people who are lost and who have not yet believed. And we are going to take 36 hours and pray for those 700 people by name. Your invitation is to sign up for a 30-minute time slot and join us in that. And you may be thinking to yourself, how in the world Strider would, like, would I do that? Don't worry. When you register, you'll get a, an, an email kicked back to you that says you've signed up. And then we're going to provide some uh, coaching tips and kind of a guide that we would recommend you using for that 30-minute time slot. But here, here's our invitation. And as Jesus says in uh, John 15, 16, this is our reminder. These are Jesus' words. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. If you have faith in Christ, if you have eternal life, you have been chosen. But I chose you and appointed you. You've been invited to join into the building of Jesus' kingdom. But I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Not you personally, but Jesus working through you. Fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This 36 hours of prayer is our opportunity to come before the Father and ask in the name of Jesus for lost people for dead people to come to life on Easter Sunday. We just sang that song, Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Wouldn't it be amazing next Sunday to be in this room or worshiping online, singing with people 
who are proclaiming that for the first time ever in their life. That's our hope. That's our prayer. That's what we are anticipating, and we are asking you to join us in that with us. We cannot do it without you. To get to the uh, 36 hours of prayer, you can just go to our homepage, goodnewslove.com. You'll find this graphic that's on the screen, and there's a link underneath it. You can simply just sign up for a 30-minute time slot, whatever fits your schedule the best, and, uh, and we'll loop you in into the next steps. Because y'all, next Sunday is Easter Sunday, and we are incredibly excited. We've got a couple of special things planned. Uh, we're going to have uh, Island Donuts is providing uh, donuts for us. That'll be either before and between and after the services, and so come grab a donut. We also have a, a photographer coming. So the uh, Connect Room will be set up and decorated. If you would like to get a professional Easter picture, uh, we will have that available um, uh, after the uh, 9 o'clock service and before the 1030 service and then following the 1030 service as well. You can go get an Easter picture. And at the end of our time together, there's a surprise coming. I'm not going to tell you what it is, uh, but you want to make sure that you stick around through Smiley's benediction at the end of his message because there will be something fun coming together. So speaking of Smiley, as he comes up to, to speak, let's, uh, let's pray this morning. Jesus, we just stop and proclaim hallelujah. We praise the one who has set us free. Jesus, we couldn't do that on our own, and so we just thank you for, for leaving the comfort of heaven, for coming and for dying and for rising again, for conquering sin and death so that we can proclaim that we are free and that we are alive. Jesus, we celebrate that this morning. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd come, that you would open our eyes and ears and hearts and minds to receive your word. And we pray for next Sunday too, that we would see dead people come to life. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Strider. Isn't it a beautiful day today? Remember what last Sunday was like? So glad to see you. You know, sometimes people thank people for coming in the rain. I think you should thank people for coming on a day like today because there's so many other things you could do today, right? Oh, it's been a big week in, in my family. Um, our firstborn son, Luke, had his firstborn son, Ryder, and he was born on Friday, and we rejoiced with Luke and Emily. <clears throat> Now, remember I said firstborn a couple of times. Hang on to that because we'll be learning about firstborns in, in the message today. It's interesting. Sometimes people ask, you know, Smiley, how are you? And then they'll say, how's everything in your life? And they're such different questions, aren't they? Because I, I can be joyful, but like, you know, a month or so ago, my mom died. And then, and then our firstborn son had his, his firstborn son. And so you can have joy and sorrow at the same time, can't you? Our hearts can have multiple emotions at the same time. Um, like my shirt? It says first importance. Know what, it, what that is? You need to come back next week. Actually, the back of it tells you what it is. It says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that Christ died for our sins and rose on the third day? <laughs> And it really is of first importance. I mean, when my mom died, you know what was really important? That Christ died for our sins and then he rose, right? How about this week? Um, that horrible shooting in Boulder, Colorado, uh, in, in a grocery store. 
Karen and I have been to Boulder a couple of times. We've eaten lunch in a grocery store, and as I heard the story, I thought, I wonder if that was a grocery store that we were in. And um, found myself praying for the, the victim's families and, and, and for the, the perpetrator and, and, and his family. And, um, but, but I found myself asking questions. Do, do you ever ask questions when you hear these things like, why do people do such terrible things? Why do people do that? Uh, why is our world so much broken? Why is there so much pain and suffering? Why can't we all just get along? You ever wonder those questions? And what I want you to understand is we, have, we refuse in the church and in our culture, we refuse to believe how bad the bad news of the gospel really is. And we refuse to believe how good the good news really is. And so that's what we're going to be exploring today. The, the point of today's message is that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See the sin of the world? God says to us, cheer up, you are so much worse than you ever imagined, that's why these things happen. But at the same time, God says to us, cheer up, God's love for you is so much greater than you ever imagined, he's provided a lamb, a lamb to take away the sin of the world. I mean, isn't that what this week's about, isn't it? That, that on uh, Sunday, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and all the people, what do they do? They say, Hosanna, Hosanna, they welcome him as a king. And yet that same crowd come Friday, what are they doing? They're yelling what? Crucify him, crucify him. So Jesus was crucified, right? To take away our sins, and then he rose to prove it, and then he poured out the Holy Spirit. And, and then in Acts chapter 2, we have the first sermon, Peter's preaching in Acts 2, verse 22, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed, performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. He's speaking in Jerusalem. They knew what he had done. Listen, God showed you who he was, right? This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. Jesus is our Passover lamb, and he died on the, on the cross on the Passover. Jesus, our Passover lamb, died on the cross on our Passover, uh, on the Passover. God so worked in history that the Passover lamb died on the Passover to take away our sins. Um, but he didn't stay dead, did he? But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. And so Jesus, our Passover lamb who died to take away our sins, rose on the third day to prove it. And uh, that's what we're going to learn about more next week. But what we're going to learn about today is about a Passover lamb and, and what it means that Jesus is our Passover lamb and what we mean that he takes away the sin of the world. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Exodus chapter 12. And if you're new, this year we've been binge-watching through Exodus. And so previously on Exodus, it was about 1450, about 1450 B.C. Uh, the Hebrews are slaves in Egypt, and they cry out to God, God, deliver us, deliver us from our oppressors. And God heard, and God raised up a reluctant deliverer named Moses. I'm glad you know that much so far. And so Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go, and God says what? Or Pharaoh says, no, 
I won't let them go. And so God begins to send plagues on Egypt to move them to let God's people go. And so here's where we've been in the last few weeks. There was a plague of blood and frogs and gnats and flies and livestock died and boils and hail and locusts and darkness. And with most of the plagues, the Egyptians had a God just like them. And so God showed that he was more powerful than all of their gods. And today we get to the death of the firstborn. We read about it last week, but today is how it actually happened. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. So now the, he, the Hebrews were about to become a nation. This was the birth of the nation as they come out of Egypt. And God was giving them a religious calendar. And the religious calendar would begin with this month, the month of the Passover. And isn't that true of us as well? The Bible says that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away and new things have come. And don't we start life over when we put our faith in Christ? Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's household, a lamb for each household. Notice the lamb. Jesus is our pastor, Lord. Notice, too, the household that God loves to save families and not just individuals. <clears throat> now, if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them. According to what each man should eat, you are to divide the lamb. Your lamb shall be an, what? An unblemished lamb. What's that a picture of? Isn't that a picture of Jesus that what we needed to take away our sin was an unblemished lamb who could die because he wouldn't have his own sin so he could die for ours? Your lamb shall be an unblemished male. A year old you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that same night roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head and its legs, along with its entrails. And you shall not leave any of it over until morning, but whatever is left of it until morning you shall burn with fire. Now you shall eat it in this manner, with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the house is where you live, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And some of us say, well, what's with the blood? So, so in your favorite book, in the book of Leviticus, <laughs> isn't that your favorite book? But notice what it says in Leviticus, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Maybe you're watching a TV crime show, and they talk about that someone bled out that means they died. Why? As they lost their blood, they died. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. 
Listen, this is speaking of the substitutionary atonement that Jesus would die on the cross. He would shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. He would become our substitute who would shed his blood for our forgiveness. The blood represents the life. And so how does that precious old song go? What can wash my sins away? What? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. <laughs> oh, precious is the flood that washes white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so what we see here and what we've read so far is we see that God's judgment is going to fall on some, but others. Others who take a lamb and cover and cover the door of their, the doorpost of their, of, their, of their homes, they will be spared. And isn't that a picture? Isn't that a picture of all of history is moving toward a judgment day? And those who stand in their own sins will experience God's judgment. But those who are covered by the blood shall be forgiven and, and given eternal life. Now this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. Now as we read through this ch chapter, we're going to learn about the Passover, how it happened, but we're also learning about the celebration of the Passover that's being instituted to be done every year. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, but on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats anything leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall have a holy assembly and another holy assembly on the seventh day. No work at all shall be done on them except what must be eaten by every person. That alone may be prepared by you. You shall also observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this day I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent ordinance. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. Seven days there shall be no leaven found in your houses, for whoever eats what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is an alien or a native of the land. You shall not eat anything leavened. In all your dwellings you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go out and take for yourselves lambs according to your families and slay the Passover lamb. Can you imagine that, taking a lamb and killing the lamb and realizing this is what I deserve. And this lamb is dying in my place. You shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood which is in the basin and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel and the two doorposts and none of you shall go outside the door of the house until morning. Stay under the blood. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your house to smite you. So the question for you is, is are, are, are you under the blood of the Lamb, are you? That Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Have you taken his blood and put it over your door? And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. When you enter the land which the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall observe this rite. And when your children say to you, what does this rite mean to you? You shall say, it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord. 
who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians but spared our homes and the people bowed low and worshiped. So every year following the Passover, at this time of year, they would celebrate the Passover. And when they celebrated the Passover, they would look back and they would thank God and they would teach their children about how they were slaves and how God delivered them. But you know what else they would do? They would look ahead. And they would look forward to that time when Jesus would become our Passover lamb who would die in our place so that we could be stared, spared death and live with him forever. And isn't that what we're about to do? We're, we're about to come to a meal. And, and why do we come? So that we might look back and remember how Jesus has delivered us, that we might look ahead to that day that we feast with him on a new earth, right? <clears throat> then the son, sons of Israel went out and did so just as the Lord had commanded Moses and, and Aaron, so they did. Now it came about at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. Pharaoh arose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was no home where there was not someone dead. Can you imagine the crying? Can, can you imagine being there and every firstborn died? Sometimes people say, well, the God I believe in would, would, would never judge people, would never you know, condemn anyone. But don't we see that here? Don't we see unbelievable heartache? We see that some people experience God's judgment, but there were others. There were others that were underneath the blood. And when they heard the wailing of their neighbor and realized they had been saved by the blood of the lamb, don't you know they were saying, thank you, thank you, thank you for saving us. Then he called for Moses and Aaron at night and said, rise up and get away from my people, both you and the sons of Israel, go, of Israel, and go worship the Lord. As you have said, take both your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and go and bless me also. We learned a few weeks ago that Jesus requires unconditional surrender because Pharaoh kept trying to bargain with God, right? He, he said, like, you can go, but not your wives and children. Or you, your wives and children can go, but not the animals. But now he unconditionally surrenders and says, go. <laughs> A lady said once, you know, well, well Smiley, if... if if I uh, believe in Jesus, will I have to change this area of my life? And the reality is, listen, when Jesus moves into us, what does he intend to change? What? One thing he intends to change, what? Everything, doesn't he? Because what does Jesus require from us? He requires what? Unconditional surrender. So Pharaoh says, go, go, take all that you have with you. The Egyptians urged the people to send them out of the land. For they said, we will all be dead. Get out of here before we're all dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened and their kneading bowls bound up and the clothes on their shoulders. Now the sons of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, for they had requested from the Egyptian articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have their request. Thus they plundered the Egyptians." Who ever heard of slaves plundering their masters? But God had defeated Israel, and, and the Israelites did not go out empty-handed. Now the sons of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot aside from children. Notice there's 600,000 men, 
plus 600,000 women, plus their children, over 2 million people. A mixed multitude also went up with them. See the mixed multitude? God had said to Abraham, I will bless you and make you a blessing to all the nations. And so there were people that had come to faith in Christ, in Christ to come, who put their faith in God from other nations that had joined the Hebrews and came out of Egypt with them. It was a mixed multitude, a picture of what eternity is going to be, a mixed multitude, right? A people from every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. A mixed multitude also went up with them, along with flocks and herds, a very large number of livestock. They baked the dough which they had brought out of Egypt into cakes of unleavened bread, for it had not become leavened since they were driven out of Egypt and could not delay, nor had they prepared any provision for themselves. Now the time that the sons of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years to the very day, all the host of the Lord went out from the hand land of Egypt. They all came out, all the Hebrews. It is a night to be observed for the Lord, for having brought them out from the land of Egypt, this night is for the Lord to be observed by all the sons of Israel throughout their generations. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner is to eat of it, but every man's slave purchased with money after you have circumcised him that he may eat of it. A sojourner or a hired servant shall not eat of it. It is to be eaten in a single house. You are not to bring forth any of the flesh outside the house, nor are you to break any bone of it. Notice that? Nor are you to break any bone of it. What does that sound like? It sounds like Jesus, didn't it? That when he died on the cross, that, that no bones were broken. All the congregation of Israel are to celebrate this. But if a stranger sojourns with you and celebrates the Passover to the Lord, let all the males be circumcised, and then let them come near to celebrate it. And he shall be like a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person may eat of it. The same law shall apply to the native as to the stranger who sojourns with you. Then all the sons of Israel did so. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And on the same day, the Lord brought the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their host. God delivered his people. God saved his people through the blood of a lamb, right? Often I hear people say, well, all religions teach the same thing. Really? The Bible's not about what we do for God. It's about what, what God has done for us. The, the Hebrews, they didn't free themselves. God delivered Israel through the blood of a lamb. And that's the story of the whole Bible, isn't it? Isn't that the story of the Bible? Remember when John the Baptist, remember when John the Baptist saw Jesus in John 1, 29? The next day he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming to him and said what? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's the gospel, isn't it? That's the story of the whole Bible. The bad news of the gospel is there, isn't it? Do you see the bad news in there? It's what? It's the sin of the world. Listen, the next time you hear someone say, what's wrong with the world? Say what? I am. Isn't it true? Why is the world broken? What's wrong with our country? I am. Isn't that what the verse says? I am. Who else is? We are, right? You are. I am. You are. We are. It's true of all of us, isn't it? Listen, we live in a time where people are saying there's good people and they're all good and there's bad people and they're all bad. That's not true. We're all flawed. We're all sinners, especially me. That means we've all sinned against God in thought and word and deed. 
over and over again. And God is just. He can't just wink at sin and say it doesn't matter. God says what we deserve for what we have done is hell. We deserve everlasting punishment. That's the bad news, the sin of the world. But here's the good news. Here it is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When it comes to Jesus, the two important questions are, who is he and what did he come to do? The person and work of Christ. In this verse, who is Jesus? He's who? Now in this verse, who is he? He's the Lamb of God. That's who he is. And, and in this verse, what did he come to do? What did he come to do in this verse? What? To take away the sin of the world. Do you understand what it means? He's the Lamb of God. You ever read through the Old Testament? Have you? You ever read about sacrifices? All these animals that were killed, right? You know what was taught in the killing of all the animals, all the Passover lambs for 1,450 years at this time? You know what was taught? Sin's a big deal. Sin's a really big deal. You know what was taught? The penalty for sin is death. No one else was told. The blood of animals, the reason they were sacrificed over and over again, the blood of animals could never take away our sin. What we needed was someone who was perfect, a person who could die in our place. Remember, remember when God told Abraham to offer up Isaac and then God said, what God will provide for Himself, the lamb for the burnt offering. Here he is. This is the lamb that God provided. Fully God, fully man. As a man, he could die in our place and be our substitute. As God, his death would be of infinite value. Um, so the lamb of God comes. Fully God, fully man, lives a perfect life and goes to the cross. And what does he do? He dies in our place, right? He sheds his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. He takes all of our sins upon himself. He dies in our place. He's buried, but he doesn't stay dead. He rises on the third day. He rises on the third day. And nobody offers us eternal life. He offers to take away our sins. <laughs> oh, the verse that changed my life was Revelation 3.20 where Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Know what eternal life is? Jesus said, I want to move into you and I want to cover you with my blood so that you are forgiven of all your sins. Man, would you like to be forgiven? And know what Jesus said? I want to move into you and I want to lead you out of your sins. Let's do life together. I don't want to leave you in your sins. I want to, I want to be your Lord and Savior and I want to lead you out of your sins because isn't that why Jesus came what, to take away our sin? And you know what else Jesus said? I want to do eternity with you because one day I'm coming back and I'm going to take all of the sin out of the world and we're going to get to spend eternity together on earth. I said, wait a minute. You want to forgive me? Yes. You want to do life together? Yes. You want to do eternity together on a new earth? How do I get this? And you know what he said? You received me as Savior and Lord. Have you? So there was a day where I admitted to Jesus, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and, and I'm sorry. And if you've never done that, won't you? And, and then I believe, Jesus, I believe. And I'm so thankful that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. Won't you believe? And then I received him, Jesus, I want you to come in and forgive me. It's so good to go to bed at, at night forgiven, wouldn't you? And Jesus, I want the gift of eternal life. It's so good to know what's coming, right? 
I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. And oh, he has, won't you? You can do that right where you are. You want to talk about it, come up after the service, I'd be glad to help you. But won't you receive him? And if you have, do you hear what Jesus says? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him. And he'll put the blood over, the, over your house, right? I'll come in to him and we'll dine with him. And he, well, let's do life together. Let's do eternity together. When I was a pastor in Boca Raton, uh, where we lived was probably 60 or 70% Jewish. Uh, there was a man in our church. His name was Dale Goldstein. Uh, and, and I asked him once, why should God let you into heaven? And know what he told me? He said, because the blood of Jesus, his Passover lamb, covered the doorpost of his heart. Is that good? Dale Goldstein said, Smiley, the reason God should let me into heaven is because the blood of Jesus, my Passover lamb, covers the doorpost of my heart. Now, I know it's hard for you to believe since I have a T-shirt on, but I used to wear a suit. And I'm wearing the suit, and Dale says, Hey, Smiley, show me the label of that suit because he recognized the suit, and I opened up the suit. You know what the suit said? Dale Goldstein. I got the suit at his father's shop. So what have we seen so far that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? So, so now I want us to, to turn a corner here, and, and, and here's the action step that I want you to do. I want you to gaze at Jesus. I gaze at Jesus. I want you to know that's biblical, because if you look at what John says, look at Jesus, behold him, Gaze at him. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. One of the skills we're learning is we're learning to gaze at Jesus and glance at our circumstances. Because so many of us, we're always gazing at our circumstances and we're so filled with fear and anxiety, aren't we? And we only glance up to Jesus saying, help us. You know what will change our lives? Gaze at Jesus. You say, well, what do you mean? When you get up this week, instead of looking at your phone, instead of checking the news... Gaze at Jesus. Gaze. You'll be amazed what happens in your life. You'll be amazed when you spend more time gazing at Jesus than looking at your phone. You'll be amazed at what happens in your life. Listen, when you get to a stoplight, when you get to a stoplight, instead of checking your messages, just gaze at Jesus. When you go into a restaurant and you get there before someone else gets there, instead of checking your phone like everybody else, why not gaze at Jesus and pray for the people in the restaurant? This week, I went to see the skin doctor. She's always removing body parts. <laughs> she really does. But it was, it was so weird. You go into a room. First of all, everybody's sitting apart. Secondly, everyone's wearing a mask. And everybody in the room is doing what? Everybody in the room is looking at their phones. And I just gazed at Jesus, and I began to pray for the people in the room. Lord, help us to have a conversation. It's hard to have a conversation when you're apart with mask on looking down, isn't it? But I just began to pray for the people in the room. And you'll be amazed what happens in your life if you begin to gaze at Jesus more than you gaze at your phone. Gaze at Jesus. And not only that, you'll really stick out. You'll stick out among people because you'll be so different from them. And here's what I want you to do. When you look at Jesus, I want you to see the bad news of the gospel. We're far worse than we think we are. And then I want you to understand the good news that, that God's love is so much greater. Listen, I've been a Christian for a long, long, long time, and I've not made the progress I thought I would have made. Is that true of you? I've not made the progress as a husband or a father or a grandfather or pastor that I always thought I would. I, I haven't. But there are two things that I'm really, really convinced of. Number one is I'm a great sinner. Can I get an amen to that? 
Now, that was a little too strong for that one, okay? I, one thing I'm convinced of is I'm, I'm a great sinner, and secondly, I have a great Savior. How about an amen for that? Amen. Come on, it should be a little better for that, right? Amen. amen. Wow. I'm a great sinner, and I have a great Savior. You know what that does for me? It helps me to have a better understanding of myself. When I fail, which I fail a lot, you know, Jesus always says, you know, uh, you wouldn't be so surprised by your failures if you didn't have such a high opinion of yourself, right? And I remember, listen, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner saved by grace. If I ever feel too lowly about myself, then I remember that Jesus treasured me so much that he shed his blood for me. Who has a friend like that, right? Um, when I look at Jesus, it makes me humble and thankful. And I want you to know that's a great way to live to be humble and thankful. Matter of fact, let me show you a great verse that what happens when I look at Jesus. In 1 Timothy 1.15, it's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Know what that means in my family? I'm the chief sinner. Know what that means in this room that I'm the chief sinner. That, you know what that means when I'm out in, in, the, in the community? I'm the chief sinner, right? Christ came to save me and I'm the foremost of sinners. You know what that means for me? It means when I share the gospel with someone, I share as the greater sinner to the lesser sinner where to find grace. If I ever have to correct someone, I am more aware of my own sin than I am of theirs. Is that true of you? Are you both humble and thankful? Oh, I love this next verse. I mean, why did Jesus choose me? Yet for this reason, <clears throat> uh, yet for this reason, I found mercy so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. <laughs> I love that. Why did Jesus choose me? So that people could look at me and say, well, if Jesus could change him, Jesus could change what? Anyone. And when I think about that, it moves me to worship him, right? Humble and thankful. So what do I say? Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Oh, when, when I gaze at Jesus, it helps me to understand myself better. It helps me to understand the world better. It makes the world make a lot more sense to me. This week, when you're gazing at Jesus with, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, I want you to notice what Jesus says. What's wrong with the world is what? It's inside of us, isn't it? It's us. And the solution is what? It's outside of us. We need Jesus. But our culture says what? That the problem is what? Outside of us. If we just get rid of those statues, if we just get rid of that, then we'll solve our problems. But listen, then we can let go the inner goodness. But the gospel says no. The problem's inside of us. What we need is Jesus to forgive us, to lead us out of our sins, to bring about a new world where there is no sin. So this week, when something bad happens, and it will I want you to say the Bible is true. The Bible is true. We're flawed people. Listen, when bad things happen, we should be heartbroken but not shocked. When there are mass shootings, we should be heartbroken and pray for those involved. But we shouldn't be shocked. If you read the Bible, you'll read far worse. You'll read about a mother who kills 70 sons so she could be the queen. Mass murders are nothing new. The problem's inside of us. The solution is outside of us. 
When you read this week or you hear about a pastor who falls into sin and wrecks his life in the church, we should be heartbroken, but we shouldn't be shocked. Because if we gaze at Jesus and read his word, we see far worse, don't we? Um, when we gaze at Jesus, we'll understand ourselves better. We'll understand the world better. We'll have more opportunities to, to have gospel conversations. I mean, didn't you enjoy this week reading Luke, didn't you? You're reading with us, right, in, in the study about Luke. You know what strikes me is that Jesus loves sinners. He's always with them. The other thing that struck me, when I went to seminary, I was taught to have an answer to every question. But when I look at Jesus, Jesus seemed to have more what? More questions than answers, do we? So, so this week, when something bad happens, and it will, and you're with someone, why don't you ask that person, why do you think people do such terrible things? And listen to them. Just listen. Don't be so quick to tell them what you think. Just listen. Ask them, well, what do you think the problem is? And then, and then ask them, well, what do you think the solution is? How do you think you could solve it? And if they don't ask you back, that's okay. You've learned what they think. But if they ask you back, what do you think's wrong? You have your Bible with you, right? Open it up to John 1.29 and, and just share with them what you learned. Invite them to read, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Invite them to come and see Jesus. You see, Jesus says the problem's inside of us. It's us. It's our sin. Now notice, invite them to see Jesus says the solution is outside of us. There is a Lamb of God who takes away sin. Have you ever done anything you'd like to be forgiven of? You can. Do you need help overcoming your sin? The Lamb of God will move into you and lead you out of your sin. Do you long for an earth with no more sin? One day it will be true. Don't you want to be there? You can, you know. You really, really can. You can do it. You can. So this week, as we move from Palm Sunday to, 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 to Easter Sunday, Let's gaze at Jesus, okay? Let's gaze at the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then as we stand out from the people around us, let's invite others. Come and see Jesus with me. Don't you want to come and see him too? Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you came to seek and save sinners. So thankful that you died on the cross for our sins that you rose on the third day so that we could be forgiven and live forever. Listen, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, won't you receive him? I mean, he's here. Won't you just say to him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry that I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose and I want you to come in and be my Savior. And forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you and pray for you. Lord, I pray for those of us who have received you that, that we would realize that we are forgiven, that you've moved in, you're leading us out of our sins, and that one day we'll spend all of eternity with you on a new earth without sin. So, Lord, this week, help us to gaze at you. Help us to better understand ourselves and to live as humble, thankful people. Lord, help us to better understand the world we live in, how broken we are, and how much everyone needs Jesus, especially me. 
And Lord, help us to have gospel conversations with others this week. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.